because I'm just that good. Now bend over and cough. Let's broaden our minds. Would you mind identifying what you are? We are the dreamers of dreams. Are they in the proper approach pattern for today? Negative. I thought we'd officially make it a feature and not a glitch of our podcast and introduce Steve Gutenberg Press. <laughs> so every episode, we will bring you fun, little-known facts about actor Steve Gutenberg. Why? Because you got to get your goot. Got to get that goot, man. Got to get that goot. So <laughs> this is the first one that I wrote down. If you wave to Steve Gutenberg, he may or may not wave back, depending on the situation. If he saw you and how he feels at the time. And that's your Steve Gutenberg press back <laughs> for the day. <laughs> oh, Jake said you look nice, but he was masturbating. So it kind of negates <laughs> the sweetness of that statement. <laughs> no, it's still sweet. If you haven't seen it. I have seen it. I meant the audience, but yes. Oh, right. uh, but he's talking to me. <laughs> uh, oh, you're talking to all of them. <laughs> I don't know how this works. <laughs> they were geeks and good at their job, but they committed the ultimate sin and educated other geeks gone bad. Fanboys tried to kill them, but got the woman they loved instead. Framed for murder, now they prowl the badlands of podcasting. Outlaws hunting outlaws. Podcasting about geek culture. Dispatch Ajax. Wherever you get podcasts. It's brought to you by Coppola Family Farms. We make wine and Nick Cage's. You remember First Blood where he doesn't kill anyone? I watched First Blood again just recently. He doesn't kill a single person. He's not responsible for Joe Don Baker. No. No, he doesn't kill anyone. No, no he doesn't. Not a single person. In fact, he's basically just like, leave me alone. Yeah, I was watching. And they put themselves in danger. I was watching his breakdown, you know, of like talking about, you know, his buddy getting blown up all over him and he can't get a job and, mm -hmm. and people are calling him baby killer and, and he's just, he's not part of society anymore and he can't function mm -hmm. with his PTSD. But, uh, let's. Suddenly he kills thousands of people. Yes. And works with Al-Qaeda <laughs> when they were the Mujahideen. Uh, skip they were the good guys then. That's why we gave him all those weapons. I really hope that one of the characters in Rambo 3 was actually Osama bin Laden. That would be the greatest thing. Oh, the perfect bookend to that whole thing. I want all of my children to have an extra eyeball sewn onto their face. Make it happen. 
Yeah, it's it, it, people don't understand how these decrees work, but we all just kind of go, well, he's dead. You got to do it. Yeah, it's a it's a dying man's wish. What did you not love your grandfather? So the eyeball on Eliza Dushku. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was Eliza. Dush- OK, yeah. All right. OK, yeah. All right. That makes sense now. Yeah, that movie's super racist, by the way. Yes, um, I do remember that. Even back then, I was like, huh, I'm looking at Elijah Dusku's like, I don't know these things. Oh, she did a lot of crap, man. Have you ever heard of Bull or Con Man? These are shows. Oh, I know what Bull is. Do you know what Bull is? I don't know what Bull is. Should I look up Bull? It's the Dr. Phil fictional TV show. Brilliant, brash, and charming, Dr. Bull is the ultimate puppet master who combines psychology, human intuition, and high-tech data to learn what makes jurors, attorneys, witnesses, and the blah, blah, blah. Produced and created by Dr. Phil. We live in a nightmare world. Mm-hmm, because he has no qualifications for any of that. How many episodes of this go? Oh, I'm, it's probably still on. It's CBS, so it's going to go on for 90 all right, seasons. All right, guess how many episodes there have been. Don't look it up. you got to guess. Um, no, I won't. I won't. Um, I will say... Or you can do seasons. You can do episodes or seasons. Ah, uh, Well, all right. Let's do seasons. I'd say there are 12 seasons. <sighs> nope, not, not quite that many. I mean, it only started in 26... It was in 2016. When it ended in 2016? No, that's when it began. Oh, really? That late? Oh, it seems like it's been on forever. Okay, well, I mean, yeah. it will go 12 yes, seasons, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's been CBS. on six seasons. It's still currently going. There have been 112 episodes. Well, that's not that many. Ah, it's a show called Bull by Dr. Phil. Yes, it is that many. <laughs> I mean, for that, for CBS, you know, you know. My reference point is always um, Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek was on, Star Trek only did 79 episodes, but it was three seasons. All right. So the the tagline for season one, he'll get you off. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, That sounds like a load on. of bull to me. Go, oh, come on, you f***ing scam artist, whole piece of shit, Dr. Phil. Oh, my God. You know, that guy's a total piece of shit, right? I mean- He's oh, a terrible person. Oh, yeah. Because he was one of those uh, motivational speakers. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading these uh, these reviews, so you, you could just keep keep talking. <laughs> now, he's he's directly responsible for a lot of, like, uh, sexual assaults in um, uh, what he called rehab facilities, which were not oh, at all rehab facilities. That's awful. But, like, he would send children who had uh, addiction problems to these what were called rehab facilities that gave him a bunch of money. And it turns out they were actually just farms using troubled teens as slave labor. Several people tried to escape from them. They would either get assaulted there or they'd run away and get assaulted or kill themselves. He's on the hook for like several deaths and assaults. And the worst one was this guy that was like, he was the guy that won one of the first Survivor seasons. He was going to go on Dr. Phil because he was a recovered alcoholic and he wanted to talk about his journey you know, and so to spice things up, they gave him a gift basket in his dressing room with a bottle of Smirnoff. And then when he said he was uncomfortable with that, they gave him a bunch of Xanax to calm him down so that when he actually went out on stage, he was like a drooling mess. And obviously, I mean, it, it just completely humiliated the guy. And it's just like, wh- why would you do this to someone? Like, what? What? You have to be a horrible person to do this. You have to be Doctor Oz level terrible to do this to somebody. But at least Doctor Oz has actually saved people's lives. And now he's running for office. 
Oh, that's going to be hilarious. He refuses to do CNN interviews because he doesn't want to piss off Fox News. Mm. He's a piece of shit. Dr. Oz is killing America one hour at a time. And it's really great because like some of the, <laughs> my favorite episodes, just creme de la creme. I remember one episode they came on and the teaser was like, can kale kill you? <laughs> it's an entire episode based on if you eat 300 pounds of kale... You're like, who the f*** can eat 300 pounds of anything? What are you talking <laughs> At about? At one sitting. Yes, literally. Without breathing. Yeah. And then when the UN did that thing about uh, how red meat causes cancer, especially processed meat, he sent an investigative reporter to go figure out if that was true or not. And the investigation he did was he went and talked to the Oscar Mayer PR rep. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Hard-hitting facts. I would trust hard copy or inside <laughs> edition before I would trust f***ing Dr. Ross. Do you want to know about the meat industry? Well, come with me. I'm taking a ride on the Wienermobile. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it is, yeah. And when that um, green coffee bean extract or whatever came out, uh, it was supposed to help you with weight loss, he read something online. Somebody had put something online about that. And it was just some guy. I mean, it had no basis in truth whatsoever. And, like, this will help you lose weight. It's guaranteed to. And so to do their research to figure out if it was true, they called the guy who started the rumor and were like, well, you sound like an expert. Why don't you come on to our show and then you can tell the world about it. He didn't even make this stuff. He was just like, you know, hoping somebody would, uh, you know, like show interest so that he could like get investors to get him to do it. And so he didn't even like market it. He didn't have any of it until they brought him on the show as an expert on this subject. And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. And then he started selling tons of it because people poured money into it after Dr. Oz did that. You're an asshole. You're a fucking asshole. What you're saying is that I should get some of this, right? Well, you should go on Dr. Oz. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, one of my favorite episodes was, what happens when you die? We're going to explore the afterlife. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? And he brought a person on that just had a, a like a quote unquote near death experience and how heaven was real. Oh, case You're closed. A doctor. Done. Empirical evidence. <laughs> End of story. What more do you Piece need, Skip? Oh, and he was like plugged hydrochloroquine in a bunch. Fing asshole. Just killing America. Skip's views on Dr. Nas do not represent the point of view of everyone on this podcast. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take umbrage to that I one. I personally love Dr. Oz. I can't wait to make out with him as much as possible. <laughs> he, he hasn't given money to us. He only takes money from people. Dr. Oz is the first and only financial backer of this particular podcast. He's the Alpha and Omega. <laughs> and our Lord God, Jesus. He is the Quetzalcoatlrak. The super being. <laughs> Personally, I get off on the bad Tommy Wiseau accent and line delivery. Oh, you like the um, sex scenes, don't oh, you? That's oh, the thing. Oof. Oof. There are so many naked, bare-ass sex there, scenes. There Tommy are. so in that movie. So many. And the last act is full of them. Like three of them. In that. They might be like your second most uncomfortable sex scenes behind like Rec Room for a Dream. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, but I mean, that's kind of a... Ooh. So it's like a Requiem for Your Dream, Clan of the Cave Bear, and <laughs> and then the room. Well, no, 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 no. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, it's, uh, okay. Requiem for Your Dream, Clan of the Cave Bear, Brown Bunny. Oh, oh. How about um Nymphomaniac? Nymphomaniac. Uh, Mel Gibson's Hamlet, where he dry humps his mother. 
thankfully I blocked that out. His version is terrible. They go the whole Oedipal route and it's stupid. Oh, man. What's that one where um, Nicole Kidman falls in love with the kid who's the reincarnation of her husband? Oh, uh, Paper Boy? That's an NES game. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I had fun with both, so... Sounds like Rabbit Hole or something like that. It might be... Ra- yeah? Rabbit Hole? Yeah. Have you ever seen, like, Frank Frazetta? Like, a picture like of him? Like, personally? In the, in the wild? Yeah. No, I... <laughs> I mean, I've seen him in textbooks, but... Did you see him in the Zapruder film? <laughs> I just saw him in the Patterson-Gimley film. <laughs> There's this great picture of him. I, I think it's from the 80s. And he's just, like, sitting on a rock with sunglasses. And he has these two babes, like, in bikinis, just... Like every one of the covers of exactly, novels he ever yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. He was... he's, he's a living heavy metal magazine cover. <laughs> he manifested his dreams into reality. Man, actually, at Comic-Con, I don't think it was the one you were with. Maybe you were with me that time, but because uh, you've only been there once, right? No, I've been twice. Oh, Comic-Con? Oh, oh yeah, you have. Yeah. yeah, that's right. At least twice. Were you with me that time we went to go to Robert Rodriguez's uh, Sizzle Reel for Heavy Metal, the movie? No, I did not see that. Yeah, he did a whole Frazetta. He was going to do a whole Frazetta movie, and he he had a Sizzle Reel based on Frazetta work. Um hmm. It was like his, I guess, his pitch. This is how long ago it was. It was Hall H, which you have to spend 72 hours in line for to get into. <laughs> uh, we, at the last second one time, decided just to, uh, oh, we should go to Hall H, hop in line right in front of the hall uh, 10 minutes before a panel. This one was, there were about mm, 300 people in a 6,000-person hall. <laughs> And wa- watching uh, Robert Rodriguez's sizzle film pitch. It's a different time, my friend. Days gone by. Days of yore. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's You don't actually go to Comic-Con when you're in Hall H. You just go to Hall H. And that's all you see. Or, yeah, you, you either do Comic-Con or you do Hall H. Yeah. Yeah, and, and exactly. Even then, and especially since uh, at the time, you know, like when it got really bad, I was blogging. And so, like, Hall H was always the one that got you all the hits, you know, because, like, that's where they revealed all the crazy stuff. And so everybody wanted to read your, you know, description of it or whatever, even leaked footage, which you're not supposed to, but whatever. <laughs> but whatever, I did it, you know. But because My doctor leaked, says I shouldn't, but I do. I do. They uh, People, you know, leak footage all the time. And so because of that, they started just airing the Hall H panels online. But they started doing it immediately after it ended. Mm-hmm. So, like... You'd be in line for 48 hours or whatever just to see a panel and report on a panel that would immediately be online. <laughs> when that started, I, that was the wor- one of the worst experiences I've ever had at a con uh, well, or in my life. <laughs> it was really bad. I slept on the ground outside with no blanket or anything. It's pretty sure it rained and <laughs> spent two days in that line. Do you ever want to go to Comic-Con again? Yes. Only because, you know, everybody has their sort of uh, Avalon or, <laughs> or uh, Shangri-La type thing. And for me, that's San Diego during Comic-Con. It's just I okay. have so many memories and feelings and people still recognize me. And it's that thing where, like, you really feel like you belong, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I have a big soft spot for... It's my Fontenelle. <laughs> Whenever we're together, I just like to poke it. Yeah. Yeah. And then my leg twitches. It's really... Scratch it, boy. So square dancing got started. It's fact. Look it up. It's obviously the superior film. It's got the shittier Fines brother. Uh, Jimmy? Jimmy Fines? 
His friends call him Jimmy. Hey, I'm acting here. <laughs> Have you ever seen Killer Joe with the chicken scene? Mm. Killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey. No, I don't. Oh think man, that. that's that's a you want dis- he rapes a chicken? disturbing sex scene. Well, it's maybe the most disturbing sex scene involving food. Oh God! Behind no. uh, nine and a half weeks. <laughs> uh huh. That's that's where Brookfoot left it. <laughs> Bigfoot was D.B. Cooper is what you're maintaining here? No, 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 no. Bigfoot hung out with D.B. Cooper after they were on the spaceship. Oh, man. I know we talk about cop buddy movies a lot. Please give me Bigfoot and D.B. Cooper. <laughs> Bigfoot, D.B. Cooper fight Nazis at the center of the world. <laughs> Harry and the hijacker. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, man, this thing writes itself. That's, that is gold. I think it works. I mean, sometimes we get a little, especially when we're like, hey, here are the rules. And like, I take us off the rails. <laughs> like, well, well what if though. a Highlander's a dinosaur and he goes back in time? <laughs> Andy's a vampire. Vampire Ooh. dinosaurs. <gasps> it all makes sense. There's nowhere safe. <laughs> That's not my mama. I could have put physics in there, but I've got not the mama instead. My mother always used to rip on me for that, too. I could quote an entire episode of Simpsons season four, but I could not tell you what my math homework was. There is no no room in there for inane bullshit like that. (laughs) That's not going to pay off in 10 years. (laughs) Well, then it turns out you can't actually make a career doing that. And uh, we just uh, we just missed the first chance 10 years ago or 10 plus years ago. So it goes, what the f***? Hello? Yeah. Are you dead? Probably. Are you living? Choose a side. I'm Schrodinger's podcast here. (laughs) I watched Hell Comes to Frogtown for the first time last night. I had never seen it. I realized I had never seen it. Yeah, that's uh, speaking that's, of that's my, Bergman. It's my favorite chastity belt in all of sci-fi-dom. The uh, undefined torture chastity belt. Yeah, the yeah, sort of yeah. like snake plissken chastity belt to non-irradiate his balls. Yeah, but sometimes it clamps down. <laughs> For some yeah. it it does what it decides to do. You know, Sandal Bergman's from Kansas City. I didn't know that. She, my mom knew her because she was a. My mom used to work at Gold's Gym, and she was like a weightlifter. Oh. Uh, I think she's from Overland Park. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. She was in two movies. Cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't actually. I, don't, I didn't look at her IMDb. I have no idea how many movies she was in. But you know, there's a sequel to Hell Comes to Frogtown. Really? Yes. Oh yeah, no, I did see that. There was one. I, I've never seen it. Obviously, no, I haven't seen it either. But I, I will. This time, frogs come to Helltown. <laughs> That movie was surprisingly expensive with all the animatronics and stuff, all the makeup. I I think that, like, they have one real scene of the frogs in, like, you know, in Helltown, I guess. (laughs) Bartertown. They look pretty good. Yeah. For what they are. I mean, for what it is. Yeah, for what it is. You expect much worse. For being a Roddy 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 Piper (laughs) vehicle, it's actually (laughs) remarkably competent. A non-John uh, Carpenter movie. Yeah. Uh, you know. Though I would like to see John Carpenter make that movie. They frog? Frogs live. <laughs> the frog? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Prince of Frog. I got nothing. So, In the mouth of frogs? Fro- in the mouth of frogness? <laughs> in, the ma- in the mouth of frogness. I like that one. It's better than Prince of Frog. <laughs> uh, frogs on Mars? Escape from Frogtown. Escape from Frogtown. Assault on Precinct Frog. Frog's Assault on Precinct 13. (laughs) 
it would be frogs of Mars. It would be frogs of Mars. What is a group of what? Army. A group of frogs is called army. Oh. Hmm. Uh, Adam X. That's who I was talking about. I thought that was after the... Or I, mean, I thought it was before they introduced Vulcan and no, all that. No, Adam X was long ago. Adam X was 97, yeah, interv- Long before they introduced Vulcan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought you said after they introduced Vulcan. No, no well, I, I started to, but then I corrected myself. Oh, okay. trying to say, because like Vulcan came out like in, like what was it, 2006, 5 or 6? Yeah, I think it's 5, probably. Because I was yeah. still working at the comic shop. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it would have been like 2005 or 6. And they're always but, like, you know, is this is there going to be another Summers brother? Who's the next Summers brother? I was like, I don't need no. another Summers brother. We're done. We've had enough. Cut them We've off. Had a lot. Wrap it up. All right. Can you kill Jean Grey and bring her back again, please? See, I wish they just we're all clamoring it. for it. And they're just different clones, and and each clone of Jean Grey just slept with a different Summers brother, or demon, depending on what era it is. I'm fine with all of that. Well, why don't they just just cut out the middleman and make a goddamn demon summons bro- Summers brother who just knocks up uh, a clone of Jean Grey and who can permanently be the Phoenix and then just get it all over with? Yes, yes, and they can also be Lord of the Vampires. <laughs> yes, Lord of the Vampires and also Hell. All wrapped up in one. Works for me. <laughs> yeah, we finally just cut out all that garbage. No, but I was, what I'm saying, I, I don't, I didn't hate when they introduced Vulcan. I thought he was an interesting character only because they gave that backstory about the original, like the other X-Men team that they sent to Krakoa, which I mm-hmm. thought was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Kind of proves that Xavier was a bastard and we kind of, yeah, overinflate his role. Always have. Well, I, yeah. Well, maybe okay. not always. Well, but I, I, I mean, hate originally. Originally, he was the benevolent, you know, and benign teacher of the the mutant race. Right. But I mean, it, it was quickly you saw through that, and the, he had nefarious purposes. He didn't give a shit about these kids. I mean, who who decides they're going to take some kids who don't know how to use their powers, put them in brightly colored suits, and send them out to fight other mutants? That is not someone who's looking out for those children's best No, interests. no, no, no. You know what it's like? That god-awful Josh Trank Fantastic Four movie where they have the Baxter oh, yeah. Institute where it's like they, they apparently troll high school science fairs, which also seemed to be set up really weird because you had like a high school kid versus fourth grader. Yeah. Competing uh, against each other. Yeah, if Reed Richards came up to me with his project, it was totally going to be my beat my uh, t- toilet paper dispenser that I had circa, I don't know, fifth grade. Yeah, exactly. And then they like, they're like, hey, you can come join our institute where we force you to work on our projects like slave labor. I'm so confused by that. Yeah. See, this building has diplomatic immunity because of science. And so none of those child labor laws or, you know, copyright, none of that works here. We just take all your time and all your day ideas and they're ours for science. And especially in that movie, because they go out of their way to say that they're working with like the department of defense. So they're basically, it's like Raytheon kidnapping children, <laughs> calling it a school to build missiles to bomb brown people. And then... Are we sure this yeah, isn't happening right now? Except in this scenario, they're just using child super science. Get them while they're young. Uh, well, it's actually probably less evil than a lot of stuff the American government has done. <laughs> over, over <laughs> Most the certainly. Decades. 
So this is about Pokemon, right? But anyway, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> well, no, but the point I was making was that uh, I, I really hate that narrative. And it was a narrative, I think, even as supposed woke white people, we were all like, well, Xavier is Martin Luther King and Magneto oh, mm-hmm. is Malcolm X or right. whatever. And I'm like, and that's such a horrible fallacy. Malcolm X was was very very important, and and in in no way shape or form was the the villain. villain, right? Yeah, like the one that was like diametrically opposed to Charles Xavier. Uh, well, to, 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 to Malcolm to X Jr. <laughs> I mean, to, yes, to Martin Luther King. MLK and I mean they were both radicals it was just MLK just wasn't willing to come out and say certain things that he genuinely believed like Mm -hmm. like, have you ever heard the uh, the I have a dream speech the actual I have a dream speech because like the I have a dream part is just his sermon but he he gave this like 90 minute dissertation on socialism and social justice and the evils of capitalism and the you know like and it, mm-hmm. it was but it was really it was dry and boring because i know what he picked up on it. <laughs> no re- like literally yeah. like people in his crowd including rosa parks it, it was in the crowd he was losing the audience and they infamously were just like just give the sermon already and he's like <laughs> all right fine and he gives the sermon and then it's like, everybody's like whoa he gave a very 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 well-researched well thought out dissertation on like Vietnam and late stage capitalism and all that. But so I really, I I really resent now the whole Magneto as Malcolm X thing, because like now you can still make that commentary like in film or comics or whatever. If you, if you finally acknowledge how horribly we treated black nationalist movements or, or, or black activists in general, uh, you could go back and be like, hey, Magneto wasn't a bad guy. Magneto was like, he didn't do anything wrong. He just like, you know, but we think we, we villainize him so much that it's like. It's true. It's I kind mean, of like not pushing the right narrative that they even the writers think they're pushing. It, it's 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 completely wrong. It, it You know, it's. It's hard trying to come up with what is what is the best comparison, the best metaphor, or is it simile of the two? Well, simile is using like or as. So yeah. a metaphor is just using something in place of the other to represent it. Thank you, Professor. Professor Xavier. <laughs> I mean, it's an easy shorthand for basic level white America, which is like your main readership for those two characters. Right. I mean, it doesn't make it right. No, no, it doesn't. It- I've got it. Professor X mm-hmm. is all right. Um, nailed it. Edit, edit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're, you're no. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. You're, all right, you're so on the cosmic Professor- treadmill now, brother. Professor X is Skinner, Fox and Scully's boss for the X Files, and Magneto is more cigarette smoking man. But the cigarette smoking man was the direct superior of Director Skinner. That would that would mean that Xavier was taking orders secretly from Magneto. I bet he'd probably changed a lot rails. of what. <laughs> I've been out of X Men comics for a while. I'll admit that. Yeah. yeah, House of House of Ten, Powers of X, which is Jonathan Hickman's uh, latest foray into the X Men universe, kind of redesigning the entire mythos, and like he did um, with Shield. 
Yes, yes, but actually this is much better. And it kind of it. Wait, wait, wait! wait, wait you're saying you didn't like that Leonardo da Vinci was an was an agent you know, of Shield? I'm not I a big fan of that. I don't actually have a huge problem with any of that. But what I'm saying is that this is probably the most inventive take on the X Men and the most rejuvenating look at that franchise since Grant Morrison. I actually love Jonathan Hickman, so I'm down. He's done a lot of great stuff, and then some mediocre stuff. But he's never done anything bad. No. He's never done anything outright bad. I mean, there are things that he never finished, so we don't know if they'll ever be good or bad. <laughs> That's um, fair. Well, I guess the point I was making was that, like, the, when they the introduced Pokemon Vulcan, or oh, oh, okay. yes, the, which is much like Pokemon in that sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> the introduction of the X Man Vulcan is so much like Pokemon. It's so that... much like, as many important uh, historians have said, going back and sort of taking off the halo for Professor X. Which I think is a good thing, because because if you really want to get down to the like really nitty gritty subtleties of racial commentary or, or really any marginalized group and their struggle. But I don't appreciate that they. Well, I don't know if I don't or do appreciate it, but like X-Men writers in the last, I don't know, 20 years have gone back and been like, hey, you know, Xavier was no angel, not not Warren Worthington, but like an actual <laughs> like an actual angel. And the narrative sort of changed about MLK later. About how, like, oh, he was a womanizer. He cheated on his wife, and he, he was, you know, like, wasn't great outside of. He had flaws. We we adore him, we idolize him, but like, he had flaws or whatever. And right, it, it's tough you know, for any of these icons to be human. Right, it's just like with with Gandhi recently. Mm. He came oh out yeah, he was like actually super racist, and or like Einstein was also super racist, and you know, like uh, that kind of thing, and. It's like I, I I do think it's important to do that for Xavier. I think that's a good thing, but the fact that they're taking that model that Xavier's MLK and 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 Magneto is is Malcolm X and, and still applying that today, I think is really flawed and really problematic because that's not fair. It's 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 totally villainizing an entire wing of of black culture. Well, I guess it all depends on how you're approaching it. I mean, if you're if you're looking at it, the government kind of made Malcolm X more of a villain than they did MLK mm-hmm. in the same way that, you know, Magneto, I mean, he he named his his people the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to kind of diametrically oppose what Charles Xavier was doing and and yeah, make him, which I like. You know, mm-hmm. have to like choose a side and have to have to fight against his own people for this the yes, struggle of the which- same thing. Which is brilliant. And it's just like and, and, it's, and do- it's it's who's choosing to play the villainous role, whether it's hoisted upon you, as honestly we did for Malcolm X in most of historical. Right, but exactly. But are we do are we are we doing the exact same thing that like Hoover did to all black activist movements in the in the sixty seventies? We villainized Fred Hampton, mm-hmm. and they tried to divide Fred Hampton's movement with other black activist movements or just basically leftist movements in general. It's true, uh, but I mean... A, the, the, a divide and conquer. The thing that, that separates both of these groups is that which one's going to play nice and which one is going to take a stand, be it martial or otherwise. And you have your play nice and, and want to be accepted and be equal with the humans, you know, role of Professor Xavier, as opposed mm-hmm. to Eric's view of we are superior to them we are better than them. We don't have to abide by their laws, by their social norms. Mm-hmm. They are willing to take force 
to at least be on equal footing. Uh, I'm not saying that Malcolm X was saying that you know we should be above white people, but the Black Panther movement and at least elements of of Malcolm X's ethos throughout his lifetime, he was pro violence when it was necessary. That automatically puts the dander up of the white authority and thus making him the villain. So it's just who chooses to be the villain, Eric, at least in the comic, he takes that on himself, even though neither of them should be villainized. All of this is obviously, all of it is still through the white lens. Oh, yes. Like, all of it. Like, all of it. Well, I had a point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the magic I, I, of I, editing. Even in the the way that X-Men writing has evolved, it's still using the white lens of that. Um, right. And, and like it, because they had to defend themselves mm-hmm. against actual aggressive violence by the government, the their, police. Their violent um, point of view is completely justified in oh, every yeah. way, shape, and form. But the white narrative paints the upstart black person who's going to overturn the way that our society runs and the white hegemony. That's bad. And so... We should keep that from happening. Yeah, I think that's fascinating, too, because, I mean, if you went back and wrote it, obviously, I, I, I can't give the black perspective and I, I would be an idiot to even try, even though I have talked to, to black comic book fans who are fans of X-Men uh, about this talk, because I obviously because I have uh, I have a black friend. <laughs> Cut that out. We're all we're definitely viewing it through that white narrative. Even the stuff that's gotten better in X-Men is still flawed. Because they're trying to make more nuanced the ideas. To a point, I suppose. But you also have drastic things that, I mean, MLK never absorbed part of Malcolm X's psyche and then turned to a giant world-destructing, you know, onslaught being. Could you tell me right now that J. Edgar Hoover didn't believe that? Because (laughs) I dare you to. The Goot Talk shall remain, and it shall go on into the future. For we all live under the Goot. The goot slumbers <laughs> deep within the earth. Soon he shall awaken. and <laughs> With cocaine, the goot shall awaken. The time of the gootening shall commence. <laughs> We're stupid. Yeah, right. yeah. We are officially really stupid. I went back and watched Cloak and Dagger like four years ago. How was it? When, uh, it's been a long time. It's actually not that bad. Um, it's I still think it's better than War Games, which kind of came out around the same time. Oh, really? Huh. I, I always thought that War Games was the definitely the more lauded of the two. I don't know. War Games is fine, mm-hmm. but I think Cloaking Dagger is is more creative. Like it's got more richness to it, and because it also involves video games, and then like that crazy elderly couple and crazy elderly couple. Yeah, remember there's an elderly couple that stalks him. No, because one of them's got almost all of her fingers missing. No, that's and, wild. Well, you don't remember this? No, oh, it's crazy. I don't remember. It's been. I was a, a child last time I saw this. Well, so like, he went. So he goes on like a. He's like on a ferry or something, and I do uh, remember the ferry. Yeah, he's by himself, and there's this kindly old elderly couple that befriends him. He's like, oh, are you by yourself? Maybe you need some supervision. And then it turns out that they're, in his mind at least, that they're like, spies trying to kill him. And so he's trying to get away from them the whole time. Awesome. One of the, I don't remember if it's the man or the woman, but one of them takes off the, her glove, that, or his glove. Their glove? They're, sure, fine, that's fair. And they're missing all but like two fingers on their hand. It's like the thumb and pinky and that's oh, it. Oh, man. And they're telling some story about how they lost their, and you're like, uh, I think it's, I think it's the female. Yeah. But. She was in the Yakuza. I know, it's, and she kept f***ing up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Doesn't that happen at the end of Four Rooms? Yes, yeah. They're, they're making yeah. a bet. Man, what is that bet even about? Um, I don't even... Uh, no, it wasn't it that you had to like light a Zippo number of times in a row? Yes, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, that actually happens, I think, also in a, either a Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side, or one of those uh, anthology ones where the, that happens... Where they do the same exact thing, where they have to like light a lighter in a row. It's being told after the fact. Person telling the story takes their glove off. They've got like one finger left, which it means it's probably tales from the dark side because uh, a lot of cheaper plots in that one. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound juicy enough for tales from the crypt. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, you had Christopher Reeve in, in tales from the crypt. I mean, you had the creme de la creme. You had the Humphrey Bogart. Do you remember when they did that? Are you thinking about the man with Bogart's face? Sure, it was a an episode where they they used Bogart like footage from him, and they they played around with that for the whole episode. Okay, I mean it's possible. I mean that sounds like Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid or the man with Bogart's face, but Tales from the Crypt. You murderer! Plastic surgery makes a criminal look like Humphrey Bogart. Well, I wonder if it was the same actor who's in that movie then, because I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of Bogart impersonators back when people remembered who Humphrey Bogart was. And incorporate footage of Humphrey Bogart with new footage of an impersonator. Bogart is actually credited as a guest star in the episode. Oh, wow. This may be the first time that a TV series had given guest star credit after an actor who has been dead for close to 40 years. Yeah, but Crispin Glover can't get for being in, in uh, Back to the Future 2 <laughs> with old footage. Well, I mean, Bogart will come back from the dead and he'll... <laughs> he'll set it straight. Yeah, You don't want to mess with Bogey. It's terrible, but it's so bad in some places. You're like, I gotta give it to you, man. I gotta. <laughs> this is incredible. All right, on the on the bad badometer, where mm-hmm. where does that rank to ape? Oh, I think it's a I think it's above ape. Um, it, like if 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 you go like I don't know, let's, let's say scale one to ten, where like, um. More like okay, so which which end is the good and which end is the bad? We're gonna go with uh the big one's the good one, and uh, you can okay. maybe it's okay. enjoyability, you know, like if they if they lean oh, sure. into I the bad factors into yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, So you've got like um, see, like I, I disagree with a lot of people about Plan Nine from Outer Space. It, like, yeah, it's kind of boring and yeah, it's terrible, but it really, I don't know. There's a sincerity there that's like sweet. Um, and good, and I, I so I, I don't put Plan Nine at a, in outer space at the bottom. You know what I mean? I put mm-hmm. like the room at the bottom. The room is at the yeah. bottom. Well, it's it's not even really enjoyable. Try getting through the entire movie. Yeah. Well, are you are you sitting watching at home by yourself most of the time? What does that That's, have to no, do? No, well, I'm just saying. Like I've I've seen it in a theater with a bunch of people. Uh, you know, who like bring, you know, spoons and forks to the, the screening and wear wigs wow. and they bring a football. And... Yeah, literally. Yes. Oh man. It's, uh... Well, no, I get it. I, it's a cult hit or whatever, but it's not Rocky horror. It's definitely not a good movie. Correct. But Rocky I horror is actually kind of a great movie. Personally, I wouldn't put it at the bottom of like an enjoyable enjoyability scale. I don't um, know. Try watching the whole thing. It's so long and it goes on forever. And like the last act is just drags forever. I mean, it's it's not it's even true. But at least at least I I mean personally, I get off on the bad Tommy Wiseau 
accent and line delivery. Oh, you like the um, sex scenes, don't oh, you? That's oh, the thing. Oof. Oof. There are so many naked, bare-ass sex scenes. There, there are. So in that movie. So many. And the last act is full of them. Like three of them. In that. They might be like your second most uncomfortable sex scenes behind like Rec Room for a Dream. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, but I mean, that's kind of a... One's intentional and the other one isn't. Yeah. So that's kind yeah. of like... Ooh. Oh, so it's like a, so it's like a Rec Room for a Dream, Clan of the Cave Bear, and... <laughs> <laughs> and then the room. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, it's, uh, okay. Uh, Requiem for a Dream, Clay to the Cave, or Brown Bunny. Uh, oh, oh, how about uh, um, Nymph- Nymphomaniac, Nymphomaniac, and then uh, Clay to the Cave, and then uh, and then the room. Oh, not um, what is that? Oh no, no, uh, Mel Gibson's. Ha- oh yeah, no, that's yes, that's pretty good. I was thinking Mel Gibson's Hamlet, where he fucks his mother, dry humps his mother. Thankfully, I block that out. Um, no, he. That's why his version is terrible. They go the whole Oedipal route, and it's stupid. And he totally dry humps his mother reciting uh, Shakespearean dialogue. Oh man! Uh, and then you've got the room. <laughs> What's that one where um, Nicole Kidman falls in love with the kid who's the reincarnation of her husband? Oh, shit. Uh, paper rabbit boy? Is that what paper? it's called? That's a that's an NES game. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I had fun with both, so um... <laughs> I, mean, I don't like that. Yeah, you wouldn't. Um, so just like rabbit hole or something like that. <laughs> uh, it might be, ra- yeah, rabbit hole. Yeah, it's so- is that right? Um, I remember after young son dies in an accident. I thought it was. The paper boy. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think it's the paper boy, right? Okay. I don't know. I don't remember. I was just asking. I don't remember at all. Yeah, it's Zach Efron, right? That's where he pees on her? I don't know. I don't. I. It doesn't matter now because that's already like. Ooh, or maybe the. Uh, have you ever seen Killer Joe with the chicken scene? Mm, Killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey. No, I don't. Oh think man, that. that's that's a. You want dis- he raves the chicken? disturbing sex scene? Well, it's it's maybe the most disturbing sex scene involving food. Oh God! Behind. No. Uh, Nine and a half weeks. <laughs> uh, oh man! Uh, I was going to think of um, what's the 120 days in Sod and uh, wait, 127 hours? No, ah, god damn it! Um, the one where like people are they're naked and they're kidnapped and eating dog food with oh nails oh they're and... on that weird is that the one where they have that platform and they like move up and down? It's like Spanish language or whatever. The Italian is one, that one you're talking about. Is it Italian? Where it's where, like where they're like on different levels, and then like like each level gets some of the food, and then no, no, that leaves. that's the platform. Oh, okay. No, but you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yeah. Um. God damn it! What is that? That was interesting. That fucking movie. Uh. It's like one of the classic. He- what? Uh. Like most disturbing movies of all time. List. Schindler's List. Sallow. That's what I was trying to think of. Sallow. I don't think I've seen. You've never seen Sallow? I don't think Sallow so. or 120 Days of Sodom. 
Um, mm, yeah, it's where delightful. a bunch of it's like during World War Two, uh, a bunch of Italian wealthy people they kidnap a bunch of like local youths and they use them for sex purposes during the war. Oh my god! Yeah, it's uh, nice. It's it's pretty horrific. But they uh, they're all naked and they're making them eat dog food. Um, but some of the dog food has nails in them, nails in it, oh, but they've been starved. So it's kind of like dog. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a rough film. How did I did we end get up watching this? society? Oh, you watch society? Yeah. And I'm like, wow, uh, somebody's a big Cronenberg fan. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that was, um, God, society came out mid eighties, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm su- I'm surprised at how old and I'd never heard of it. Um, and, and then I I saw it actually kind of pop up on um, whatever. Yeah, I, 1989. I was on. Yeah, Brian Yuzna. I was just shocked. I was like, "This is Cronenberg movie, just not quite as good." <laughs> no, it's it's not quite there, but it has a lot of stuff going for it, and it's, no, it's yeah, pretty no, wild. It was interesting. It was it was really really interesting. Um. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, I got it. It was, uh, it was uh, in the same tone as like, um, um, get out. Mm-hmm. You know that. Yeah. You know, it's in that same vein, just in a Cronenberg way. Yeah. You know the the same writer director for that. He did a. Uh, he wrote the story for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh man, that would have been a way better film <laughs> if you had done it that it's way. It's a lot different. You know, they they turn inside out when they shrink down or something. <laughs> uh, so anyway, like it, your your scale, where does where does this ape movie rank? Oh God, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, if we're going with like, okay, what's a universally bad movie that's not even fun to watch? Uh, that you think is like the worst thing you've ever seen that's not even like enjoyable for being bad? Problem. I mean, there problem are a lot child of them. too. Okay, yeah, that's probably up there. Yeah. Um, it does suck real hard. Um, I mean, personally, I don't think Exorcist Two. <laughs> I think it's pretty bad. It's bad. I mean, I would watch that above like some other films, like Birdemic. Well, but that's what I'm saying. You can't do any of those modern like we know we're bad. We're doing this for the budget shit. You can't do that. Like it has to be like a sincere. You can't do Sharknado, right? You know, or Mansquito. You can't do that. You got to go like it's genuinely like trying really hard to be legitimate, and, and then it sucks real hard. So, like Battlefield Earth, for instance, that would be. It's up not there. even fun to watch. Yeah, it's not. It's terrible. I mean, because like it's boring. Uh, it's Scientology, uh, and it's uh, the, the plot, narrative, and acting is atrocious. I mean, that's like, people used to, you know, talk about Ishtar being a huge flop, and it was a huge flop, but it's actually not a bad movie. It's just people didn't go see it, <laughs> you know? Um, it's not one of the worst films of all time. It's just one of the poorest performing films of all time. I mean, I'm sure there's some Roland Emmerich thing out there that, oh, maybe there's some UA bullshit out there that's probably... Yeah. Up there, you know, like House of the Dead or like... Um, Woof. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. But at least it has Jurgen Pronchow in it, which is awesome. 
maybe like a like a human centipede three. Oh, never saw it. Don't don't care to. <laughs> Mm. I don't know. It's we. I don't know. Battlefield Earth has got to be one of the standards, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, why don't we just go with like whatever your gut is telling you where this fits? <sighs> okay. Well. Okay. So if, if one is the worst thing ever made ever, and ten is, you know, it, bad but enjoyable, then Ape is like a four. Maybe three. Yeah, you know what? I think I'd actually agree with you. I, I you know what? Oh wow! It's such a shock that you might agree with me about something. Well, it, wow. it, I mean, it can be. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think on my totality of my scale of normal movies, it's probably like a two of sure. all films. But of like, that's fair. Having fun with bad movies, it's probably around a four or five. I think there are at Ooh, least a f- couple five movies. Five seems a little high. Five seems a little high, but maybe if I was high and I was watching him fight a shark <laughs> or yeah. flip off the well, camera. Well, that goes for everything. I know, but I'm just like, I'm trying to think like in best case scenario, how I should be watching the film, not in the middle of the day by myself, uh, completely mm. stone sober. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Yeah, that's not the best way it, to see it. It. It, might, it might bump up to a f- close to a five. Um, because I think I, I would probably fall asleep by the, th- the third act. That shouldn't count then. Come on. <laughs> All right. At least watch All right, the movie. Fine. It's four. It's, it's, right. a, it's okay, a solid four, four. four on the bad movie scale. Cause it's like, it's like big Lebowski. Like we're like, I, it's, I think it's the funniest film ever made and uh, I'll, I'll watch it and then I will never finish the movie cause I'm stoned or tired <laughs> or, or drunk. And then I forget that the third act happens <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I forgot. This is how this movie goes well, every time. Drugs, man. They'll do it. They sure will. That's drugs with a Z. <laughs> drugs, babies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I mean, as far as like fun, bad movies, it's not even in the ballpark. Um, I mean, yeah. there are certain scenes you can laugh at that are worth laughing at. But overall, it's it's just a poor execution and not in a fun, charming way. Yep. I'm going to have to concur with my compatriot here. Mm. You know, for. Anyway, that's a lot like Excalibur. It's extremely like Excalibur. That's why you pull the whatever's sticking right out of his head and you become king. Mm-hmm. Of your own private Idaho. <laughs> Ooh, that's only when you're writing the basketball diaries. <laughs> oh. Right. I mean, young Sherlock Holmes probably not now, like, looking back on it. But, uh, yeah, seventh present solution, great Sherlock Holmes film. Yeah, especially circa 1976 when it came oh, out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of cocaine and, and yeah, great stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it portraying Holmes in a way he really hadn't been portrayed before then. Really giving kind some of depth. always inferred in the book. So. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly it's, what it's they were dancing going around for. there. I mean, I think they even mention uh, his habits in the books, but mm-hmm. it was never, I mean, he was a quintessential hero. He was looked up upon. I mean, mm-hmm. putting him as a drug addict. That's unheard of. Yeah, well, they didn't even tackle that again until Jeremy Britt's Masterpiece Theater or Mystery or whatever um, the run where they do show him shooting up or whatever. Even, even, even 
um, Sherlock, the show, wouldn't tackle it. They refused to tackle his drug abuse. Doesn't he do something in that? Uh, no, they, they do a whole thing about how he, um, like, chews nicotine um, gum like or Nicolette? whatever. Yeah, so that because it's a stimulant. All right, that's the thing. You could just buy Nicorette gum. I I don't even see it anymore. Yeah, you can. (laughs) I snort it. Yeah, I done it. Chop it up and I snort it daily. (laughs) Man, snorting gum. That's like the last (laughs) possible thing. (laughs) That's so gross. Now that I think about it. Wow. That's That's, desperation. That's fucking hardcore, man. That is hardcore. (laughs) Woof. Uh, Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Uh, 7% solution. Yeah, 7% solution. Well, that was the Nicole uh, Williamson, though. We got to go back even further. We got to go back to Borman. <laughs> you want more Borman? Well, I'm, I'm back on. on uh, okay, uh, it's your, it's your on, on track. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on actors or whatever. Um, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulders of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain. Time to subscribe to Dispatch Ajax, the geek culture podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Do you mind identifying what you are? Rocket Ajax returning. Are they in the proper approach pattern for today? Negative. Rocket Ajax returning. Open fire. On Ajax General.